brought to you with the natural goodness of Viridian Nutrition, available at Browns. I'm Trudy Kerr and welcome to The Interviewer. In this series, I talk to artists, campaigners, men and women of influence, musicians, performers, sportsmen and women, politicians, businessmen and women, and anyone who shapes the fabric of our society. Today's guest is first up, a hero. Rosalinda Juice has worked with abandoned and abused animals for over 18 years, now as the manager of the Association for Abandoned Animals, which recently relocated to new and larger premises in Burzabuja. Recently, Rosalind and her team stepped into the limelight as they helped rescue over 60 critically ill and abused dogs from a breeder in Burzabuja. Social media lit up in horror as the team went in to the man's home to rescue these clearly distraught and sometimes dying animals. But sadly, this is far away from an isolated incident and the challenges facing the AAA are ever increasing, meaning that Rosalind and her team are hard at work rescuing and protecting the animals that have no voice. Rosalind, thank you so much for being on the interviewer. I think that's a fair enough description, would you not say? Thank you. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And thank you, Trudy, for inviting us because something like this is a big voice for animals. So thank you. This is... You are so welcome, and I'm absolutely delighted because I have wanted to, to interview you and talk to you for a long time. Now, I want to just as... To put this in context, start with that case of the dogs uh, over in Burzabuja because this sort of highlights what I can imagine is a really tragic case for you. And it did hit social media far more than maybe the day-to-day -day, uh, dealings of the AAA did. But a 66-year-old man was keeping around 60 dogs in his home, something um, like that? At the, on that Particular confiscation, 51 dogs were confiscated, 24 of which came to the sanctuary. However, we did take um, from previous confiscations more from that person. So, yes, it's very fair to say that he had over 60 animals. Wow. And very sadly, some of these poor creatures had burst eyes, broken jaws. There was others heavily pregnant uh, while nursing severe fractures and infected wounds. And as I mentioned, sadly, some of them didn't make it. You've been involved with the AAA for 18 years. Is this the worst that you've ever seen? Um, no, not really, not really. I mean, in this case, um, this case was particularly shocking because... Uh, most of the injuries that these dogs have were inflicted of them, were inflicted on them, like the broken jaws, um, the, the kind of hernias that they had, like traumatic, it was trauma. Their body was a trauma. Someone has hurted them on purpose. But um, yes, I mean, we've, we get cases all the time of abuse and most of the abuse would be medical abuse. Like the dog would be sick, they leave him untreated, they won't take him to the vet and all of a second something small becomes very big and the dog is in big, big pain. So those are two different cases. There's a case of neglect and there's the case of abuse. Yes. Talking about this particular case, because I'm fairly sure that a lot of people are still interested what happened to the dogs? What, how are they now? Um, well, I mean, we of AA took 24 dogs. 
We are very happy to say that 23 of them survived. The only one that did, did not make it was a newborn puppy. And actually, she did not make it because we were not sure if she was with her real mom because there were so many dogs everywhere. They were even in wardrobes. They were on everywhere, simply everywhere. Um, that we were not sure which was her real mom and if she was really nursing her and she was only a newborn. So that's the only one we lost. All the others had made it. Can I ask you, Rosalind, how on earth does this situation occur? Because I think this is what shocked so many people, but you have experience to, to maybe explain how could this possibly happen? It happens. I mean, of course, I mean, in this case, the dogs happened to be King Charles Cavaliers. They were purebred dogs. And most of them had pedigrees. So, of course, yes, uh, I mean, this case... Uh, flourished in the media but we see this kind of abuse um in common dogs i mean common they are all beautiful i, I mean mixed breed dogs and there isn't so much fuss about them but this is quite normal abuse and abandonment is very rampant on these islands um, well we're going to come to that but let's, let's stick with this case for the time being mm-hmm. how is it that things could get that bad and i'm just trying to unpick for, for us who don't do what you do mm-hmm. to understand the situation, how is it that things could get that bad? How could the owner not know what he was doing to the animals? He knew everything what he was doing. He just didn't care. Everyone knows that dogs are not to be kicked. Everyone knows that if a dog is sick, you need to take them to the vet. Everyone knows that no animal should be left in pain and suffering. He knew everything. These are... <laughs> there, there is no um, But he question. professed to the cameras that he loved these creatures. I mean, of course, everyone can say whatever he wants, but maybe it would be better if he explains how um, all those broken jaws came, how these hernias came, how those burst eyes came, you know, that met it fair. All of these dogs stinking poo on their skin. Even, I mean, sometimes we get dogs from the streets and we don't even wash them. You know, we give them the fleeing, the worming, and we just bring them in. You know, they will be parasite free. They wouldn't even need washing. These, we had to wash every single one of them. They, the, the smell was horrible. The smell was horrible. But this would have been in this man's house, this stench. Yes, yes. I mean, he did have multiple residences. So, um, yeah. I mean, I know for me and I know for a lot of people because it did hit social media, it did hit the news, it was absolutely shocking. And looking at this as an extreme case of abuse, because you also talked about neglect, what are the challenges that you and your team regularly face? Because as you mentioned, quite often it's neglect, it's not necessarily someone kicking or hitting an animal how does an animal end up with you what what happens to an animal to be needing to come to you okay right i mean in this case the confiscation did not happen by us it happened by animal welfare we have no authority to enter in anyone's premises actually even animal welfare needed a mandate um, and the owner refused to open even with a mandate they had to go on the neighbor's roof and go in from the roof of this person from the washroom and they went in his house so you know that is the audacity of this person you know the mandate is in the hands of the animal welfare officers and he still refuses to open his house 
these are not nice people. <laughs> these are animal abusers, and um, I mean, I've never met him, but and I don't need to meet, meet him. I only hope that he stays away from animals because... Um, it's apparently he has to, the court order is that 25 years he can't go anywhere near yes, animals. Yes, um, yes. I mean, I hope there is checks over and over again because, you know, he still insists that he loves them. I mean, no one is really believing him, but yeah, I mean, yes. So if this is the extreme, extreme case... Mm -hmm. And this is not the day-to-day -day of what you do. What, what do you and your team regularly do? What, what is the, what's a day at the AAA like? And how do animals end up with you? Um, I wouldn't really say that this is an extreme case. We get dogs abused every single day. Just this morning, we got a tiny chihuahua pug mix from animal welfare as well, a confiscation. He has one reduced eye and his, the back of his uh, hair is missing all over his bottom Fleas everywhere. The dog is in pain. You know, he's eating the back of his skin. No, I mean, no, these are not extreme cases. I mean, in the beginning when I entered actually AAA, the only thing I do I did was sobbing. You know, you never realize how much abuse is going on. Now, no tears are left, only anger at this situation of what animals are facing every single day. I mean, Trudy, you came to the AA, you came to adopt, you saw how many beautiful animals we have. They are all abandoned. Most of them were abused. They were thrown away like garbage. No one really cares. You, you mentioned my dogs. I've had two dogs from, yes. one from AA and one from Animal Welfare. Welfare. Yes. And they've both taken a little bit of time to invest in them, but they've turned out to be the most incredible companions, friends, you know, that you could possibly ask for. I personally can't understand how you can abuse a dog. I can understand how a dog or a cat or a, it can be frustrating, just as a child would be. And I have occasionally tapped my dog on the nose very, very gently, just note that's not okay, because I'm very mindful of what that dog has been through and exactly. to be very careful with that. Now, I can't understand the step from disciplining an animal to abusing an animal and I, I'm from what I'm understanding most of us wouldn't have a clue we wouldn't know how much is going on but no how can knows. this be so hidden no I mean no one really knows and that is why we post every day on Facebook photos of the dogs of how they come in because people out there need to know actually when I speak with a lot of people everyone tells me but now the situation is much better you don't you don't really see dogs in the streets so just visit the sanctuary for one day and you will see how many newcomers come in how our mobile does not stop ringing and it is you have to choose which dog where do they come from their confiscations or they're found on the street or yeah simply from everywhere most of them are unwanted pets um directly from the streets um, confiscations um, from animal welfare you know every space that you have empty in the sanctuary we fill it up there's just more there's more than you can always cope with. always more than you can cope with and uh, Everyone, every dog that you have no space for, you keep thinking about him, but you cannot admit them all. I mean, there is simply something like 15 dogs, 20 dogs a day that need to come in every single day, but we are not homing Rosalind, with that amount. 15 to 20 dogs yeah, a day. If you, if you adopt the unwanted pets, how many phone calls we get? Yes, yes. A day? A day, yes, minimum. This is crazy. Yes, this is crazy, I know. This means that 15 families or owners a day either are abusing or neglecting or 
Or just no longer want their pets, you know. I mean, some of them wouldn't be abused. I mean, they just no longer want them. But that is not how things work. I mean, if you made the commitment when you adopted or you bought your dog or any kind of pet, you make a commitment to keep him and love him till the end of his life. You can't wake up just one day and decide, oh, I don't want, no longer want my dog. It's family. We don't abandon family. As I said, I, you know, I have a dog. I have, I've and I, this is my second exactly. rescue, and and I find it difficult to understand. But it is a real issue, as you've just mentioned. And even in your bigger premises, you are seeing that things. Are you seeing things are getting worse? I wouldn't say that things are getting worse. Um, I mean, actually, I think I would say that there is more awareness. And people are getting more angry at animal abuse. I mean, that's mostly thanks to Facebook as well, because we are putting out there what's really coming in. Um, we have a new director in animal welfare, and she is excellent. We have as well a new commissioner for animals, and she's lovely. A new sanctuary manager in animal welfare as well, Louise. She's perfect. But um, the battle is so huge. It is huge. So even with the new premises... You're still struggling to cope with the amount of animals that are coming in. But we're still in a COVID season. And I know that I I know that I'd heard that a lot of people took on pets during COVID, oh, yes. during lockdown, oh, because yes. they wanted comfort. And then when it was coming out of that lockdown period and we we're able to travel and, and obviously even for myself you know you have a dog you have to find exactly. someone that can look after the dog or take the dog to kennels that there was a lot of abandonment then a not lot. necessarily abuse but abandonment oh a lot a lot i mean that usually happens as well even after christmas um and during christmas people would start buying you know puppies um, from everywhere and then they would start abandoning mm after christmas but oh i That's think a couple of weeks later exactly but all the Christmases together did not add up to the amount that were abandoned after the lockdown of COVID. They did not even add up together. The mobile did not stop ringing. Everyone wants to abandon their dogs. And actually, we even had an issue during the lockdown because so many people wanted to adopt. But then we would start speaking to them. Listen, what's going to happen where life becomes normal again for you when you start going out to work, when your children go to school? Who's going to be with the dog and... Um, I mean, do you still keep that commitment? And uh, we could see that um, so many of the people only wanted a dog during the lockdown only, just for the comfort of that time. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to come to the outcome of these animals that you look after okay. in a few minutes. But before we do that, how did you get involved in animal welfare, animal care, as a career well how did this all start for you Rosalind? <laughs> I think it started with my upbringing I have a very animal loving mother we um, she used to feed cats in our village of Burmarat you know <laughs> we love animals um, we used to pick up dogs in the streets um, trying to find them a home and this is you know a lot of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you're very diplomatic about it. It's a wee while ago. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, I've always had that kind of upbringing. And then it all started, actually. I, um, I was, um, um, I had a job and I, we had the Christmas holidays and a Christ, the Christmas shutdown. And I had nothing to do. And I said, listen, why don't I go and volunteer in a sanctuary? And I had no idea what I am going to find. Like everything, like nearly most people. Um, uh, they wouldn't know 
the amount of animals that need help and, the, and that if you don't give them help, there's no one else to give them help. And my workload started to increase every little bit by every year. Now I'm What were you doing at the time? You, you talked about being in shutdown. So what were you doing before this as a career? Um, I worked lots of jobs. I worked in an office. I mean, normal jobs. Normal. Okay, so not, not related to no, animal no, welfare. Just and this was just because you went to assist over a, a, a Christmas break. Exactly, exactly. And then I said, okay, this is where I belong. And then things started to change. Now I am supposed to be the manager, but I do everything, you know, from cleaning the pens to having meetings with important people. So I do everything. There is no titles when you are working in a sanctuary you are everything <laughs> and this is an 18 year journey for you you've you joined did you start off with AAA did you join AAA originally uh, yes yes I so started 18 then. years with AAA yes yes it has been a lot of heartbreak but you rejoice with every dog that you manage to save and you cry with every dog that you don't but um, well you talked about that you you talked about the fact that you're when you started in this career path, you cried a lot. And I can only imagine, because I've just hear, heard you describing some of the situations, just describing and not seeing anything visual. And then you said that you had moved on from crying to being angry. Do you still cry? I mean, how do you deal? How do you take that home? How do you deal with the stress of seeing these animals? It becomes a part of your life. It becomes, but yes, you know... Um it becomes a part of your life, you know. You start even loving more animals and you hate more the abuse and the abandonment and you become more outspoken in everything. I mean, I hope that one day, maybe in my lifetime, I will see things improving. They are improving a little bit, but with such a slow pace and change is needed and change is needed at a fast rate for animals because animals are dying and being abandoned and abused right now. What kind of change, Rosalind? What are you talking about? Because I know that you've mentioned about changing law. Is this what we're talking about? Um, yes, laws need to change. I mean, uh, um, I don't know if you remember the chaining of the dogs. Um, before, it used to be lawful that you can grab a dog and chain him against a wall as long as you provide some kind of shelter and leave him there rotting year after year. Wow. It took us something like four years of lobbying for that law to be changed. Did we need four, four years of lobbying to change one simple law? I mean, right now we're speaking of um, changing more laws. I mean, imagine this, Trudy. Bestiality is still not illegal in, in Malta. So if someone decides that he wants to rape, to rape a cow, a dog, a cat, whatever animal it is, that is not illegal in itself. Okay, then we can say, okay, um, we can prosecute him on animal abuse. No, we need to make bestiality illegal. Why? Why is it not illegal? I don't know. I mean, because we are not the, because we are not the people who are changing the laws. It's the politicians, and for them, I think it's very hard to move their hands. Okay, I'm sounding terrible, but you know, this is the kind of anger I am speaking about. Why don't we just change them? Why? Why all this weight? Um, and it doesn't sound. I mean, particularly as. as these are laws in other countries that are taken for granted. I mean, exactly. It and there is speciality in Malta. I mean, I'm just mentioning one simple thing. And there is? I mean, there were cases even last year of speciality yes, in Malta. Yes, yes. Um, and then, you know, this doesn't come just from the laws. Then there is as well that something that needs to change is the mentality of 
a lot of people. Like a lot of people will consider them animal lovers, but then you start speaking to them and they will tell you how their dog is left always in the yard or in the shaft or on the roof. And if you will be speaking to them, they will consider themselves animal lovers. You know, for me, for me, it's the opposite. You know, if for you a dog, um, if, if for you it is okay to grab a dog and put him on the roof all his life, just stay away from animals. And then a dog is a social animal. So he needs human companionship. If you don't want him inside your house, just stay away from him. Well, this is a real practical point that I'm going to touch on then. Mm-hmm. Because you've mentioned it, taking home a dog and putting a dog on the roof or in a yard. What are the minimum requirements? I'm talking about minimum requirements for someone to bring a, ho- a dog home. What do they need to be able to provide? First of all, you need to love that dog and you need to love him as a family member. If for you the idea of putting a dog in a yard is your idea of having a dog, that is not the right idea. A dog needs to be inside in the comfort of a family and love them. You need as well to have some financial backup that if the dog needs to go to the vet, you can provide that. I mean, vet bills are not cheap. That's very true. But um, it is what it is. And uh, you cannot neglect them medically if they need help. Uh, Of course, you need to provide good food and you need to have, you need as well to train them. Um, So, yes, you need patience, you need love. It's as if you are raising another child. And that's the commitment. You're literally committing to another family member, to another child. Exactly, exactly. And if you can't show that commitment, don't get into that Don't get one. I mean, we we get as well, you know, people who who tell us, listen, my dog is getting old. He's now 10 years old. You know, he's limping a little bit. We're not sure, we don't really want him. And I'm thinking, you know, like, how can you abandon a dog in his old age when he really needs to, to have the comfort and the love? But it happens over and over again. And in fact, we have quite a few of elderly dogs in the sanctuary as well. And that's a trend. Very that, sad. A trend that people would abandon their dog in old age because they need more attention. Exactly, which is so sad, which is so tragic, and which is, I am very sure, something that they do not want on themselves, but are willing to do it on a dog. Yeah, I like the way you put that. No, I don't think any single person wants to be abandoned in, in their old age, and of course, that's what they, as exactly. you said, that's what they're doing to their, to their family member, their exactly. pet. Exactly. I noticed when I went to get my dog that I now have, my beautiful Tau Fennec that is now part of my exactly. family... When I went to get him from animal welfare, I also noticed that a high proportion of the dogs that were in the shelter were pit bulls or staffies, something like that. Is, am I right in saying that that seems to be a trend as well? And if that's the case, why? Yes. Um, well, what's happening is that the, um, we have a great demand for small-sized dogs and for puppies. And then the older they are and the bigger they are in size, the, the less the adoption chances are. We home quite a lot, but it's nothing compared to the small-sized dogs. Like, going back to the King Charles Cavalier confiscation... Every single dog from them has been homed. We actually had much more requests than we had dogs. But the same is not, but it's not the same for large-sized animals. And of course, pit bulls and steffies, they have the stigma. And as well, some of them have bad histories, unfortunately, because they came from bad people. Their bite may, may be a little bit stronger. People may be afraid of them. So yes, their chances for adoption are slower. And that is why you've seen a lot. We are packed with them. Is the stigma warranted? 
Um, Is it justified? They are very strong dogs. And if they are not raised well, they can hurt them. That's all I can say. But I've seen chihuahuas acting that way as well. I mean, it would really depend on their ex-owner, how they were treated. They will need lots of training. Sometimes not even the training works. But then on the other hand, you can't compare a bite of a chihuahua with a bite of a pit bull. Yes. Or to say, I mean, even from a, from a 20 kilo dog to a 2 kilo dog, you can't compare. You also mentioned about uh, the King Charles mm-hmm. that were rescued mm-hmm. from that home and you just slipped in the answer to a question I was going to ask. I was going to ask you what happened to these dogs and you're telling me that every single one of those has been renamed. I mean, yes, of course, and even the other dogs, the other cavaliers that were not given to us, that were homed by other sanctuaries, they were all homed. There is a huge demand for small-sized dogs and every, by the way, and every cavalier that was homed, like every other dog in the sanctuary, left the sanctuary neutered. So those dogs will never, ever be used for breeding again. They will be only pets, loved as pets as a family member. That is a fantastic end to that story. Yes. Because I think, as I said right at the very beginning, I was shocked. And I think it was one story that shook the nation because the, the, the abuse, the visual abuse of those animals was absolutely soul destroying. Yes, yes. But once again, through the I say again the same thing. There was a big light on them because they were purebred King Charles Cavaliers. We get so many in that state, maybe not in a, such a huge amount at once, and no one really notices because they would be a common dog or a, a culture dog. And also because they're not going to hit the news. I mean, they hit the news because it was an extraordinary story of cruelty in one person. Exactly. 60 plus dogs in one home. And this gentleman... Who has been abusing for all his life, thinking he is the king. On Saturday the 8th of January, you were listed in the Times of Malta as one of five positive forces who worked to bring about change, which is rightfully and respectfully what you deserve. Oh, thank you. I've noticed that some people working in your field, unfortunately, do get abuse for what you do has this happened to you has anyone ever been abusive towards you because of what you do um, um yeah i mean th- there were there were instances but you know how do you say they are small potatoes for me <laughs> i mean th- it doesn't really bother me that much but yes you know like like i mean imagine animal welfare confiscates these dogs and then their ex-owner who who had abused them actually not in the case of Birzabuja will come, you know, shouting, you know, give me those those ba- dogs, dogs back, you know, they are mine, and this kind of thing. So, yes, I mean, sometimes people come to the sanctuary and I will start speaking to them, and then they will tell me that they have changed, changed the dog, and I couldn't not help telling them, listen, not only am I giving, not, I am not, not only am I not giving you a dog, but please stay away from animals. You know, of course, that's... <laughs> but... So you have to say... Sometimes you have I to say speak it out and say exactly what you mean. I think I will say that only even I am in the mood for it because sometimes I just tell them, listen, I don't have and I throw them out, you know. <laughs> but sometimes I can't, you can't help not saying it because, you know, like, how come you're coming to the sanctuary and telling me that you have kept a dog on the roof? For 14 years, and now you're thinking that I am homing you a dog? You know, I mean, the sanctuary is a haven next to what your dog had. 
But do you ever feel threatened by people's behaviour, by people who want to either home a dog or people who have an opinion about what you do or people who uh, whose dog you've taken away from them? Have you ever been threatened by this? Um, yeah, yes, but I've learned how to handle it, you know. Do you mind me saying, Rosalind, you must have a massively thick skin because you talked about no. when you got into this, you would cry. Now you, you've turned it around and you must see sights that only we could imagine. Um, no, I don't think I really have a thick skin, actually. Um, actually, my heart is in a state of breakage all the time sometimes. Uh, but, you know, you have dogs in front of you that need help and you focus on them. So, you know, if a person comes to the sanctuary and wants a dog and I don't want to give him a dog or if the ex-owner comes to the sanctuary and tells me that's my dog, you know, I don't really bother about them, you know, just... But if your heart's breaking all the time, which I completely and under, utterly understand, why do you keep doing it? Someone has to do it. Someone has to do it. And I love them. And I'm not saying this, you know, like anything boasting because I love them a lot. <laughs> and I do it for them. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful quality. And as Thank I mentioned... You you rightfully and respectfully deserve to be identified as one of the five positive forces who are making Thank change. You. Let's talk about that change just for a second. Thank we you. talked about the, the law that you're fighting for, you're the lobbying. What are you lobbying for right now? And also, in that regard, can we, can it, can we help? Can, can I help? What can we do to help you? Um, I mean, yes, I mean, so many laws are being proposed. And now, thankfully, we have an excellent animal welfare commissioner who is lobbying for lots of laws to be changed. So we have actually the right person in the right position for this lobbying. But yes, so many laws are being lobbied right now, like the speciality thing, like the quality of life a dog must have in a household, um, uh, regarding zoos, regarding exotic animals, there are regarding even farm animals, because here we are only speaking about dogs and cats, because maybe that's my line. But so many animals, there are so many animals that need protection and need the protection of just, not just of humans, but even of the loss. It sounds like a massive job, and I'm so glad that there are people like you Thank that you, do this. For any of us, for myself or anybody else that's that's listening to this, how can we help on a practical level? Um, everyone can volunteer in a sanctuary. Um, everyone can, I mean, if you are thinking of getting a new family member, you can opt for, I mean, adopting. You can donate, you can buy the dog's food. Even sometimes sharing a Facebook page from our sanctuary would help find a dog at home. I mean, you are helping right now with this interview. You're giving light to the plight of animals. So, yes, we can all do our bit. I'm really surprised at just the extent of the situation that you've indicated. And I really hope that more people can help because obviously this, as you mentioned, over COVID, this this situation exploded and I'm glad that there are positive outcomes as well um just to go back to just to clarify that if someone comes and says I'm going to volunteer and come and help at the AA down in Bourzabouja on a Saturday what are you actually going to ask them to do because is it all cleaning cages or is it t get, taking a dog for a walk or what are the what's 
the practicals and what's the rewards. Okay, so to volunteer in a sanctuary, you need to be 16 years old because okay. I have to make that clear. We are not licensed to have minors helping us. So, um, so I mean, yes, most of the work in the sanctuary, especially for the new volunteers, would be cleaning the cages, washing the bowls, feeding them. But then the more you get used to the sanctuary way, I mean, the more not important jobs, but more jobs can be done, you know, like giving medicine. I mean, if you are good at driving and we're sure that you won't break down the sanctuary van, you may, <laughs> we may even let you drive it to take the dogs to the vet. <laughs> I mean, because we only have one van and we take really good care of it. Um, so, yes, I mean, even like speaking to the people, giving tours to the people who would have donated something and we show them around the sanctuary. The work is endless. Every job is much needed. I mean, I clean something every single day and uh, I'm supposed to be the manager. No, I don't consider myself the manager. <laughs> I am the mama, the big mama. <laughs> the big mama. Big mama <laughs> Roslyn. <of> the dogs. <laughs> big mama Roslyn, thank you so much for being with me on the interview. You've opened my eyes and hopefully everyone who's listening to this or watching as well. Uh, I don't think I really could have appreciated quite how significant the need is and the issues are. And I wish you all the best, not just with the AAA, but also with the lobbying to make change. And again, once again, congratulations for being identified by the Times of Malta, for being one of those five people that are making change on the Maltese islands. Thank you, Trudy. Thank you. And thank you for your invite here. Thank you for adopting from first from AAA, now from Animal Welfare for these interviews. You are one of the positive people as well. Mm. Thank you.